So I guess I will do an abbreviated form of what I did last time and uh, just introduce us. Uh, we're here for our second uh, Skype chat. Hooray! Yay! Yay! And that was much <laughs> rejoicing. <laughs> and today we are going to be talking about Ahavamal and ethics and how that all works together. Um, I've got right now Darren and David and Shannon and Tim and I'm Patty. Uh, people may be dropping in as we come along, at which point, you know, there'll be a brief pause in our uh, interruption while we work that all out. Um, from a lore perspective, for the very few people who uh, may have tuned in for the very first time and have never heard of the Havamal before, um, it is a poem. It's found in the Poetic or Elder Edda. Uh, it's often strange and uh, practical at the same time. It's, all <laughs> it's also called the Sayings of Har, H-A-R, or the Sayings of the High One. Um, most scholars and heathens recognize Har as one of Odin's by-names, so it is said that, you know, these are sort of the words of Odin. Um, that's definitely the case at the end of the poem, um, because Odin pretty much says, here I am hanging myself from the tree and collecting the runes. Um, so we know it's him. The poem's meter is something called, pardon my Old Norse pronunciation, um, Yolvahathar. Yolvahathar. Uh, Thank you. Uh, and it's a form used for what was called wisdom verse. So one of the things that clues ancients in are these verse forms. And it's, oh, it's a wisdom verse. This must, must be a teaching poem. Um, this may be a collection of poems and just sort of stuck here together by whoever the first person recorded was. It's hard to say. Um, it's 164 stanzas long. We're not going to go through all of those today. Uh, about 130 of those deal directly with situations and ethics and uh, practical advice. Um, and we can link that into the nine noble virtues, which are a more modern invention, but I think that we can kind of just get into the conversation and get started. So we can start with, um, well, wherever we would like to start. Darren is actually before David on my alphabet. So Darren, did you have any uh, favorite stanza or piece of advice from the all that you use or... Uh, let's see. One of the ones I use here, uh, I think it's a uh, stanza. Let me pull this out here. I'm referencing as we speak. One of the ones that pops up for me quite often is, uh, I want to say it's stanza 31. Let me make sure that's right. Yes. Okay. Stanza 31. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm using uh, the Larrington translation here. Why is the man seems to retreat when one guest is insulting another? The man who mocks others at a feast doesn't really know whether he's shooting off his mouth amid enemies. Um, this is one that has served me well on many, many occasions. <laughs> I believe a variation of this that I really like is uh, it's better to keep one's mouth shut and appear a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one that resonates with me almost daily um, in terms of, you know... Don't be a dick, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better word. So. Well and yep. sound advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that as we go along, too, how some of this stuff boils down, because sometimes you can make some really funny uh, comments about that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Although we should probably be at least PG-13, because this is going to be a podcast. So This is true, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. For uh, good stuff, we can always bleep, so it's not a problem. We can bleep later. That's excellent. Excellent. Still, apparently. Bleep, yeah. <laughs> Bleep that. 
But so this one boils down to a number of different things for me, I guess. Um, most often in terms of small professional or social groups, um, bad-mouthing people behind their back is just generally not a good policy, and it creates mm-hmm. dissent. Uh, it, you know... You know, for let's see, it's kind of cheesy, but it you know destroys team unity and whatnot. And so it's best to just not engage in it when you don't have to. So, and you never know, having come having come from a small town, you never know when it's going to come back and bite you in the rear. <laughs> yep. I lived in small towns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a subject of its own podcast, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Broadly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Did you have any more on that, or do you want me to go over to Dave? Or no, we can go. I just that one's I think very straightforward for yeah. me. So go on to David. Sure. Um, and we were just moving over to Dave, Karen, when um, Eric and Anna pinged in. So I think we can catch up there. Okay. Dave. My my favorite stanzas, uh, number uh, seventeen seventy one off. Uh, I believe it's a uh, Thorpe. Yep. And uh, folks want to read along, I'm at the, the North Vegar site, www.northvegr.org, and they have pretty much every friggin' saga online. Uh, but uh, 1771, uh, it is better to live even to live miserably. A living man can always get a cow. I saw fire consume the rich man's property, and death stood without his door. 71, the halt can ride horseback, the one-handed drive cattle, the deaf fight and be useful. To be blind is better than to be burnt. No one gets good from a corpse. And my two cents of that is that, look, you can still function. You can still do something. Everybody can offer something, and it a dead man is useless. And the, the moral of this story is that it's always better to live and do something. You can always do something around you. Yep. 71 is one of my favorite ones as well. And, and it's very, very applicable. So I am actually legally blind, but um, live life. Play the card yep. you're dealt. Play the hand you're dealt. So, you know. You're here. David, can, can you give me that website again? Northvigor.org. N-O- Thank you. N-O-R-T-H-V-E-G-R dot org. Excellent, useful site. Excellent. Fantastic, Fantastic. site. Uh, yeah, lots of great stuff free, which is so cool of them to do. Anna, did you have uh, what about Tim? Well, I, I have uh, a couple that I really like. Uh, you asked me to mention earlier, one of the things that I've started doing is uh, I have a random number generator set for one to oh I forget what the was it one sixty four. Well, what, however many stanzas there are, and every day I I kind of have my hove them all of the day because I found it was really easy to gloss over ones that didn't necessarily look like they were uh, terribly wise or apropos, and suddenly on second glance or third glance or fourth glance, you're like aha I understand this is a wise fellow. So that's rather brilliant. Yeah, isn't that like- yeah. Can you make an app for that? Probably. I mean, it's it's simply tying a random number generator, and then I have a copy online. And so, you know, I just pop up. Hold on one sec. Um, the random number generator I use. Oh, I should probably open the browser. Do it. Um, can tell anybody how to do it in Excel. Really 
Anyways, you can get random number generators uh, pretty easily. I just Googled it, and it set what's the lowest value, what's the highest value. And every time it just gives me a different number, and then, then I just paste that to Facebook. Yeah, Anna, I think, said that she could teach anybody how to do it in Excel. Is that right, Anna? Excel has a built-in random number generator, so if you've got Microsoft Office, it's just one command. It's really, really short. I can. Type Is there any way you might be able to send that to the email list? Or I can send it to the email list. Cool. Oh, yeah, uh, the generator I use is from random.org. That's awesome. Now, I, I did have one question, if the group wouldn't mind. Uh, I was talking with um, one of my other uh, friends, and we were looking at the Havamal in terms of um, alcohol use, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it looks like it sp speaks to moderation in the discrete sense, i.e., don't drink so much that you're not aware. And I think I may have asked this last time, but I think we have some new people this time. Um, it, but, it, you know, basically, don't drink so much you're not aware of your surroundings. But I didn't see anything in the Havamal of regular routine alcohol use and I know that um, there's a number of heathens that are in recovery or <laughs> will be in recovery um, and I was wondering if there's anything else in the lore or in the Havamal that somebody's seen that speaks to that yeah I remember you asking that um, I have not had a chance to look um, to be honest with you <laughs> so I, I don't actually have um, any more of an answer than that right now um, moderation and uh uh, seems to be the thing. Um, although there is a line in the Havamal, I'm looking for it, but there, there is a line in the in the Havamal that talks about... Um, the heron of mindlessness? Well, no, yeah, that, but I was going <laughs> to... The one I was specifically thinking of basically comes down to um, uh, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed to go to bed early. Right. Basically, mm, yes. it should be a warning against, you know, overreach, um, overstress, and I think you could probably apply that and say, you know... It's not about the alcohol, it's about the companionship. Right. You know, don't be afraid to, to excuse yourself. You're not going to lose any, you know, reputation for doing the right thing. Right. So yep. I, I would apply that. And I'm trying to remember which verse it was, and I, I just can't. So I'm looking through my list and seeing if I can find it. <laughs> Other people? Yeah, 13, 13. Yeah, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Yeah, deal with being drunk. Yep. Oh, it's 19. It stands in 19. A man shouldn't hold onto the cup, but drink mead in moderation. It's necessary to, necessary to speak or be silent. No man will blame you for impoliteness if you go early to bed. That's exactly. That's I found it at the same time you did. <laughs> you do, yeah. But that's good. That's that, that's you know I would say that you know um, uh, that would be the kind of thing that that you could use to apply to the drinking thing and say you know. Don't let the heron of forgetfulness, the heron of heedlessness. Right. Uh, again, though, that speaks to the discrete instances, i.e., you know, don't drink so much in one evening that you're getting slosh. But if, you know, you have somebody that's drinking regularly, never to the point of overindulgence in, the, in that specific instance, but there's a pattern of alcohol abuse over the long term. Right. Is there anything that speaks to that? I mean, I, I know there's, you know, don't let your belly rule you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And verse 11, no better burden can a man carry on the road than a store of common sense. A, yep. a worse journey provisioning he couldn't carry over the land than to be too drunk on ale. Um, in other words, don't be drunk when you're out traveling. 
Definitely. Which is a good drunken driving reminder for this time of year. Yeah. She says, <laughs> white plug. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if they, if they thought that way at all, just because uh, I certainly know in the medieval period, uh, you know, small beer and ale and, and beers were near substitutes for water. Yeah, well, uh, the water was undrinkable. Yep. Right. And the, al- the small amount of alcohol was not, not just flavoring, but it was also protection from that. Right. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, Dave hits on a point, too. Um, also, Indo-European feasting and drinking traditions are very sacred and go back a long, long way. Um, and it's only relatively recently that our uh, humanity has even come around to the fact that alcoholism is a problem. Right. You know, it was always seen as, you know, we've got that, I always call it, you know, crazy Uncle Sven, but, you know, who does too much and is is, is the drunk with the hair and the heedlessness has always come to visit, but... Uh, you know, he sort of toddled off into the corner and ignored, and his reputation suffers, and all those negative consequences happen. Uh, but it's not, they don't, they didn't view it in the same way that we view it today. Uh, right. So it's, it's really hard. I don't, I don't know. I, I would have to do a really concerted look, but I think that it's going to be more about moderating your behavior. Um, and I just, you know, I would extend that to in the modern era, you know, sort of extrapolating, saying, you know, if you are the kind of person who only, can function with the heroin of heedlessness, then maybe you should be moderate and not drink at all. Makes sense. So I guess that would be where I would uh, where I would stretch that. Um, as far as the direct stanzas that I like, uh, I, I've always been a fan of, and unfortunately I don't remember the number, uh, but it was basically, hold on, let me see if I can find it. I'm using a... There we go. Uh, 118. I think I'm using a different translation than you guys are. Um, but it basically talks about how if you have a friend, don't let brush grow up on the walk to their house. Meaning, you know, don't you know if you have somebody who you trust, if you have kin, stop by, say hi. And it's too, too easy in this society, I think, to forget that you know, internet and phone are great, but nothing beats going over to their house for you know just some hanging out, some games, what have you. Yeah, I love hanging out. Yeah. Done with people. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we. I mean, I know I forget to do that all the time, you know, and uh, I always feel bad because I'm like, you know, you live down the street. Why have I not seen you in two weeks? You know. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really good advice. I find it personally interesting. I'm sorry, Tim. Did you have other first? No, no, that was. That was it. Yeah, I uh, I I find it sort of thematic in thematically interesting because that's what I'm doing. Um, I was telling Tim and, and Shannon before we started the book that I'm working on, I actually have a whole chapter where I'm taking the Havamal, breaking the verses into themes and sort of looking at overarching patterns and seeing what they say in terms of ethics. Um, there are 25 verses that deal with loyalty, community, family, and friends. That's a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. 25. So I think that that speaks uh, ethically to the importance of what Tim was saying, You know uh, exactly that, of your uh, those ties and how to build them um, and I almost, nope, I didn't, sorry. I thought it was 30, verse 34 that you were talking about, Tim, but it, it's not, it's a different verse. Um, yeah, I think it, mine was 119. Um, the translation I have has, I counsel thee, stray singer, accept my counsels. They will be thy boon if thou shalt obey them. They will work thy wheel if thou winst them. Hast thou a friend whom thou trustest well, fare thou to find him oft. For with brushwood grows and with hot grasses high, the path where no foot doth pass. Yes, yes. And right after that, 120... Um, yeah, I think you're using, uh, that sounds like, um, um, what the heck is his name? 
Olive, uh, Olive Bray. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, but one twenty, you know, again, my translation is a little bit different. But I advise you, Lockfafnir, to take this advice. It'll be useful if you learn it. Do good if you have it. Um, but the point is, draw to you in friendly intimacy a good man and learn healing charms all your life. So, basically, having those friends and intimate, good confidences is healing. Um, and it's it's one of those kind of well done moments for those of us who have backgrounds in psychology. But mm-hmm. gosh, the ancients knew it too. <laughs> um, and you know, and things like never bandy words with a stupid fool. Yep. Uh, the, the the other one that that's kind of the the corollary to that is about you know a good friend. And again, I'm I'm having trouble finding it. But it's a, a good friend doesn't just tell you good stuff. You know, if your breath stinks, a good friend will tell you to you know pop in some gum or brush your teeth. Right. Take a shower or what have you. Um, <laughs> dude, yeah. your fly's down. Exactly. <laughs> Again. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that, I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Is it just I was really impressed by looking at how many. Because I mean, we, I mean I, you have sort of this objective feeling when you read the Hothamal. Oh, wow, it keeps saying to be good to your friends and... And you know, stay true to your friends, and and wow, no, it's it's very serious. They do it over and over and over again, um, and with wisdom poems, repetition gets the point across. So, but again, this makes sense in the context with which this was written. These were people whose family and friend groups were utterly essential to their survival. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, nowadays we can afford to be a little more isolated socially but back in the day if you were isolated socially you were dead mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it it makes perfect sense in you know both a necessary context and you know a, a social context and in our modern age we don't really key into that quite as much maybe so this is again something we can learn from our predecessors definitely and there are 10 verses to deal with hospitality and, and you know the mm-hmm. guest relationship too um, that I think are actually tied in with exactly what you're saying as well, that, you know, it's all about friendship and, and maintaining those ties, but it's also about how you negotiate the host-guest relationship um, mm-hmm. properly, uh, which is interesting to me. Um, and, and this is certainly something that uh, applies in the modern context. Obviously, if you're not making friends, it's not going to kill you, but it certainly will, right. if you're not making friends, it's certainly not going to help your success. Yep. And there's certainly and been plenty of studies that show... Uh, Emotional intelligence, EQ, you know, is a lot more useful than uh, than pure uh, intellectual intelligence. Uh, you know, your ability to make friends, your ability to influence people, is in, in almost every sphere of uh, employment is going to help you out. Now, tell me what you guys think about this one. Okay, this one is a bit uh, the converse of what we've been talking about. This is stanza forty-two. To his friend, a man should be a friend and repay gifts with gifts. Laughter a man should give for laughter and repay treachery with lies. <laughs> I really like this one because mm-hmm. in a sense, to me, what it's saying is that be as good to those who are good to you. But if someone treats you unfairly or un- unfavorably, all bets are off. Yep. It's, is, that, is that the notion everyone gets from this one? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, not worth it. The, the the one thing I take from this is that this is a more of an active value than a passive value, meaning that if somebody's doing wrong to you, then yeah, at that point the the weapons come out, tongue or sword as as, as appropriate. Mm-hmm. But 
the, the certainly the expectation was not to lie initially. <laughs> you know, if someone's no. lying to you, yeah, it's certainly okay and appropriate to you know respond back with lies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this one, that verse in particular, always makes me think of um, something that I've heard in regards to game theory. Is everyone here um, familiar with Prisoner's Dilemma? No. Okay. Um, there's this. It's this idea. Of this. It's a thought game. There's a. Oh, it's been a while since I've since I've been boned up on it. There's two people that are that are being questioned by a cop, and the the deal is if they if they can ratty the other person out and and uh, reduce their and hopefully get off from their crime, or they can confess or no they can they can keep silent if they if everyone keeps silent they walk free because the cops don't have evidence they don't go they don't quite go free they get like one year if they rat the other person out and the other one person stays silent then they get off but the other person gets like three years or something like that anyway so and if they both but if they both both get maximum sentence yeah Yeah. exactly there is a so this it's in game theory. This, this um, has come up a lot. Uh, how how the best, what the best strategy is to deal with this um, situation. And I heard that there is a a bunch of people made uh, computer programs or algorithms to go through to figure out what the best way to go through with was. And the the one that won this competition was one called Tit for Tat. And it was you always go off trying to get the best possible outcome for everyone involved. So stay silent, and um, so that everyone would just get one year, and no one would have to get maximum sentence. Hmm. However, as soon as somebody lied, or, or no, so as soon as someone ratted you out, um, then the whole strategy changed. You always go and. And uh, behave behave the way that the other person treated you in the previous one. So it's all about so, and that was the one that got the best results. So treating kindness with kindness and treating treachery with treachery was the best way to go. Yeah, I believe what you're talking about is is other aspects of of game theory, not not prisoner's dilemma, because obviously it's a one hit kind of scenario. This, this but over, is, but over, okay, I only heard it. So yeah, go ahead. But but basically, yeah. I mean, the the how how we are wired is for uh, you know one on one kind of relationships. That if somebody is lying to you and trying to break deals on a one one basis, you will then go out of your way to hurt them, and that's pretty much hardwired into our our monkey brains. Huh. The the long and short of it, and the studies have shown that people will in fact even if you. If you're told, hey, this guy's bad news from a third person, you'll be like, okay, we'll smack that. <laughs> and, and because because that's that's how we're wired. So the long and short of it is, ethically, yes, I think this is an appropriate way to go. And you know, the Havamal notes that because, after all, in a society with you know repercussions, this is only appropriate. You've got to be truthful to your kin. You got to be truthful to your clan and truthful to the, the folks that you are dealing with in order to have a long-term relationship with them. Once they start pulling that stuff with you, it's only going to be a matter of time. Mm-hmm. 
I just find it interesting, though. It's such a dichotomy from, you know, as as a recovering Christian, it's such a dichotomy from the turn the other cheek yeah. mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very different. And yeah. frankly, I'm much more comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it's come up a number of times that one of the things that I especially like about heathenry is it's not about love. It's it's not about sin. It's about consequences and yes. actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, I'm, I kind of am with Darren in that, that I have, you know, some leftover holdups with that. But for me, a lot of times things come down to reputation. You know, the Hothmall tells us that it's better to just sh- say nothing than, you know, as Darren said earlier, open your mouth and prove to everybody exactly how big a fool you are. Um, and so, you know, what it, what it comes to me with uh, is, is advice that my mother gave me, which is, has nothing to do with Hothmall, but that always kind of stuck with me, which was uh, make sure you choose your battles and make sure you choose the right battle. You know, there are times to get up and rock the boat, and there are times not to. Um, and she should know. She grew up in the 60s, and she was in San Francisco in the middle of all of that. So um, I always kind of took that to heart. And, you know, even with something like, you know, repaying lies with lies and treachery with treachery, I always kind of err on the side of, well, you know, how how is that going to impact my reputation? You know, if a stranger sees me uh, doing treachery and lies, then I've actually destroyed my own reputation with that person by being... You know, even if it, it's deserved, you know, I've kind of right. a reputation. So I always kind of tend to, um, you know, think about things like that before I make, um, I mean, nobody's perfect, my God. We've all made stupid boneheaded remarks and things. But, um, you know, I try at least to sort of be silent. And it's actually what uh, 15 talks about it in reputation. Silent and thoughtful, a prince's son should be, and bold and fighting. Cheery and merry, every man should be until he waits for death. But, you know, it's sort of that silent and thoughtful part is where I kind of tend to go even though obviously if people are just lying and, and, and committing treachery all around me you know I don't really see any need to uh, be nice you know what I mean yes <laughs> mm-hmm. need to be well and, and the retaliation should be commensurate with you know the initial attack you know I mean yeah. if, if you know I uh, someone tells me they don't like my shirt, I don't go back and tell their wife he's cheating on them. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, you know. Yeah. Although yeah. And also that person that tells you they don't like your shirt may actually be being your friend because it may be a truly atrocious shirt. This could be. This, this could very well be the case, yes. Yeah, some of the shirts I wear, you know. But yeah, but I mean, I guess that's sort of, you know, because I've seen, you know, I, I see a lot and I, I hear a lot. And I mean, I've seen that particular verse that we're talking about, the whole repay lies with lies. I've seen that used as an excuse for bad behavior. You know, I can lie about people. They're not my friends. And to mm. me, that's just sort of twisting the ethic in the wrong direction. Absolutely. Yes. So, yep. so I try to I try to kind of pay attention to that sort of stuff, too. Like, you know, are you using this to justify bad behavior or are you really being mindful in what you're doing? Well, and it really comes down again, I think to a question of survival um what's the old adage in order to in order to beat the devil you have to become one yeah and sometimes in order to you know deal with truly treacherous individuals you have to adopt some of that yourself i've dealt with this firsthand uh on a number of occasions and there's a price to it though there's a cost to it you know you you sacrifice a bit of your own integrity and your own reputation in doing it but if the alternative is survival, well, <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> well, yes. If there's survival, all bets are off. But certainly, yes. uh, I mean, in in the modern context, when yeah, how know, much is really survival? <laughs> well, you also try to not 
uh, you know, it, it's a little frowned upon when you kill people. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Back in the day, uh, we, there was an argument, there was a back and forth, and the the way in it ends in every saga is somebody dies. <laughs> and, you know, while in armed society... Yeah. Maybe a more appropriate word in our modern society is security. You know, yeah. If there's some sort of security involved. But but also, I think reputation is is so much that much more important, and so much more accountability is is out there because there are so many ways to make people accountable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The internet, when you put that out there, it lasts forever, yep. and you've got to yeah. deal with it. It's the as far as I'm concerned, the modern well of weird. Nothing goes away, mm-hmm. and as a result, we should keep our reputations. You know, hold that in high regard. And regard attacks on our reputation to be, you know, quite, you know, fairly serious. Mm-hmm. I like this one too. They're talking about reputation. It's verse thirty-four. He is a wretched man of an evil disposition, the one who makes fun of everything. He does not know the one thing he ought to know that he himself is not devoid of fault. <laughs> you know, in other words, be careful with this book. You know, your your stuff smells as bad as everybody else's. <laughs> um, you know, and I kind of keep that, too. It's like, you know, none of us are perfect. I like that we have a, an ethical system that sort of owns that and says, remember that none of us is perfect. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like that a lot, too. I'm actually kind of surprised, can I just say, that not one of us has yet come to 76 and 77, cattle die and kinsmen die. You yourself shall die, but glory never dies for the man who is able to achieve it. Uh, that one almost goes without saying, though. Yep. Mm-hmm. That one is so gestalt for true and heathenry that I mean that, you know, it almost goes without saying, I guess. You know, and but, the other one but it's is, such a core value. So yes. And I know one thing which will never die: the reputation of each dead man. I mean, that's kind of the other thing. You know, we're talking about reputation. It's, mm-hmm. it outlives you. You know, it's what what good you do and what really, what bad you do outlives you. Kim, you are a static man tonight. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Start calling you Particle Man and singing to you about triangles. <laughs> <laughs> love that song. I love it that people get me. <laughs> How do we look at the nine noble virtues? Of, you know, we all admit that they're modern. I think at this point, no one says that they're they're born of anything other than, or I guess the Odenic rite, or was it was it the Odenic rite that started them? I thought the original Osetru yeah. Free Assembly. Yeah, I know it's always one of the two, and I, I I apologize, listening audience, for being forgetful and not remembering which one, but. Um, you know, basically, courage, truth, honor, fidelity, discipline, hospitality, industrious, self-reliance, and perseverance, um, perseverance, for the people who don't pronounce things the way I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I have seen strength in there, and I've seen other, you know, some swapped out. Yep, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the, that was Loose Dead from Ravenbach that I just, I spat that out, and he quotes the Odinic Rite saying that, and then Austria Folk Assembly, um, Strength, courage, joy, honor, freedom, loyalty to kin, realism, vigor. I love those, realism and vigor. Realism and vigor, that's I great. Like that. I think that's great. You know? uh, and revering our ancestors. And then, of course, you know, on the Troth site, we have our own list. You guys can go look that up, whatever. But, um, you know, how do we think that those correlate in terms of the Havamal? Do they fit pretty well? Do they Are they easy, handy shorthands? You know, what do we think of those? <laughs> oh, come on, everybody jump up and say something. Well, I I love the the nine noble virtues. Uh, our kindred used that as the membership right, which made a very wonderful but very long night doing nine rounds. Dude, you did a round for each virtue. Absolutely awesome. That's oh sweet. yeah. No wonder you killed. So how was that, Heron? 
<laughs> I, I forget. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, um, yeah, those were the days. They're wonderful. They're great. But the the fact of the matter is, it's really a, a secondary source. You're, you're taking the original ethics and thews of the sagas and, and the Havamal and trying to boil them down into some concepts that are nice, easy, neat. But uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is, we, we eventually... You know, the, the best statement about it is we, we eventually decided to boil them down even further. And the, the words for Raymond Kinger North are fifth luck and honor. And th- that just boiled everything down so much more succinctly and so much more effectively. We love the Havamal, love the Eddas. And the best way to, to take all that stuff in is you got to read. You, you got to read it. You got to go through all of it as much as you can. To get a good sense of the whole. Funny, because every so often I want to say something like, I want to close an email with like something like Frith Luck and Honor, and then I'm like, crap, I'm not in Arcan. I can't do it, damn it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere here in the Northeast. You cannot miss the Raven Banner. It just flies. You know, my kingdom, of course, <laughs> we boiled it down to go us, but, you know, we're a whole, whole different group, so. <laughs> Two Ravens Kindred, go us! That's, that's our motto. Um, but yeah, what other people? What do you guys think about the uh, nine nobles? And just out of curiosity, you guys know maybe know about this a little more than I do, being a bit disconnected. Um, what is it that people actually have in terms of problems with the nine noble virtue? Why are people why are people sort of against them? Uh, I think the main argument is that they're modern. Okay, um, and that you know why are we creating things when the Havamal does a perfectly good job all by itself? Okay, uh, all right. You know, and they used to be. I mean, this is this is going back a ways. I think the heathenry as a, a whole has, in some place, some ways, moved away from this. Uh, mm-hmm. But I know when I was first, um, you know, coming in and exploring in my newbie heathendom, um, they were in some ways almost seen like commandments. Yep. Okay. You know, like, you have to follow the nine noble virtues, and you know, heathens don't dig that. <laughs> you know, because you're not the boss of me, and you're doing it all wrong. Um, so I think that it kind of came down to that. I know for a while they were talking about the. There were lots of jokes about the nine, uh, uh, what were they called? The, the nine venal virtues, you know, drunkenness, sloth, <laughs> <laughs> laziness, you know. I mean, they were like, yeah, a, a lot of people have created their own lists of, uh, you know, the other nine virtues. <laughs> yeah, the other nine. <laughs> you know, bre- brevity was a big one. Uh, <laughs> we, we always considered, you know, brevity to be the tenth virtue, especially after nine rounds. <laughs> You know, it's a, a couple other ones of that sort. I'm not very good at brevity. I admit it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a curse. <laughs> it's one of those, your distance to the horn usually shows how, how well you adhere to it. The, the closer it comes to you, the, the, the less brief people get. <laughs> and the farther it is away from you, the more you grumble about it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually see this as an opportunity to think of what I'm going to say before the horn gets to me, but, you know, that's probably the same thing but anyway so that answers your question i think they're right yeah yep. it's not like they hate them like ew those are awful and should be stricken right right, right. But, but it's kind of a you know but i don't i i read the hobble i don't need those virtues i have my own well i think they serve a very valid and useful purpose mm-hmm. as long as they're tempered with something that i think i've said before is very uh very uh, prevalent among Asatruer, and that's pragmatism. 
you know, um, you know, okay, be truthful, be honorable, uh, be disciplined, be industriousness with, you know, that realism that you talked about the other one, you know, you know, I mean, these are one of the things I've found that I really enjoy about heathenry is it's much more real world to me and it's much more situational and, in this case, it may be, in case A, it may be very valuable to be courageous. In case B, discretion may be the better part of valor. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's all very situationally dependent. And so you always, you know, pragmatism should maybe be the 10th one, you know, in, or 11th one, you know, because brevity <laughs> should be in there. I think. <laughs> and in that spirit, I'll stop now. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> Yeah, I you know I'm I'm a little like I I personally hold uh, I think hospitality is you know if there's a thing that is sort of we're gonna rank them kind of you know but um, to me reciprocity is something that hardly gets mentioned but that is like a key underlying ethic to all of this mm-hmm. um, and I, there's there's stances in the Havam all about that you know exchange gifts with gifts you know mm-hmm. you know offer food and gift food and drink because people will offer it back to you and, and, and that kind of thing. And I, I'm always a little like, well, shouldn't it start with, because people will ask me what are the nine noble virtues. I'm like, um, reciprocity, wait, no, reciprocity is there. Uh, hospitality, yes. Um, strength, you know. Uh, but reciprocity, I think, um, it, it's almost to me like reciprocity, reputation, hospitality, you know, like those seem to be more mm-hmm. more parts of our ethical system than than um, get noticed. Obviously, hospitality is, is a big on the nine nobles too. But you know, and even self reliance. You know, it's self reliance within a community setting. It's not the same as the sort of independent, rugged. You know, right. I remember your uh, blog post on self reliance. Yeah. I was yeah, actually more interdependence about, instead of independence. Yeah, interdependence. Yeah, yeah. In, in a communal I was religion. I want to talk about logs in a cabin, you know. So, you know, in terms oh, of self reliance. Logs in a cabin, yeah. Yeah. I might have to steal that from you. It's all yours. <laughs> I'll try to remember to give credit where it's due, but I like that. <laughs> okay, Dave, you were, gonna, you were saying something too. Yeah, sorry, Dave, I cut you off. <laughs> no worries. I mean, basically, it was just going, yep. I mean, because self reliance in a, in a communal religion is kind of anathema. The reality is we are part of a greater web, a community of folks, and we need to find our part in that. We need to do our part to make sure we're not that guy. We're not the weak guy in the group. We're not the person who everybody is being forced to bail out. We want to help other people. We want to, we want to be the person who can assist others and can be a useful member of you know, society and our, uh, and our greater relationships. Yep. Yes, exactly. Sorry, Anna, you were speaking. I didn't mean to talk over you. We were saying the same thing. I think we both said yes. <laughs> Did you have something you wanted to add? I mean, I, you've been kind of... Well, I've been putting gingerbread in the oven. Uh, but, oh. but listening just fine. You know, it, it gets on my nerves when people confuse self-reliance with being an island as opposed to simply being able to provide for yourself whether you're providing for yourself by having a job so you can buy what you need or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. Um, that, you know, we're expected to be strong and reliant on ourselves, but at the same time, you're, you know, no, no person is an island. 
Um, and I do think that sometimes we forget that. I think that's a very American thing, too, because Americans tend to be very sort of fiercely independent, you know, people. Because <laughs> yes. it's, it's part of our culture's mythology. It's the frontier mentality. It is totally, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a good way to know if you're being, if you are that guy. How do you know if you're that guy? If you're in a group uh-huh. and no one's talking to you about that guy, <laughs> you're that guy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh oh. Uh oh. I don't like that <laughs> test. <laughs> well, unless you're new, in which case everyone's being discreet. Oh, okay. You this know, is true. People, we're always discreet around the new people. I mean, that's, you know, because we're all polite, really, <laughs> most of the time. So what other uh, what other aspects of ethics and stuff do we want to talk about? My, my two cents is uh, the uh, other place to go for folks who really want to drink deep in the well would be take a look at your, um, uh, what the hell is his name? Hold up the website. Gronbeck. There we go. Oh. Gronbeck has a fantastic, the three chapters that he does on Frith, Luck, and Honor, honestly, we stole it. We stole it out of uh, Gronbeck. And, uh, you know, again, that's something at northvigor.com. Uh, excuse me, northvigor.org. And those those three chapters, Gronbeck is so dense, you will probably only get through a page before you sit down and, and start gasping in exhaustion from the density of, of, of his writing. But it's so worth it to really get a feel for what what the best way to you know how how to look at ethics at that point in time, how to look at the whole social structure, and and get a good sense on what's going on there. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, I always try to think um, too. You know, for our you know the, the whole put, putting um, balls into boxes is a very sort of modern point of view. Um, you know, for our heathen ancestors and our Indo-European ancestors, and I think you can say this for almost every tribal um, indigenous group, um, there is not a whole lot of difference between the sacred and the mundane. So, you know, when you're an ethical person on the mundane level, you're going to be ethical on the sacred level as well. Um, So, like, you know, you're as good to the gods as you are to your people. And I don't think there was ever a question in that heart, in our hearts about that before, but, but that seems to be something that we need to kind of remember and come back to. Because we're so used to thinking of those things as completely separate issues. Yeah, I don't really think of those as separate. No. I mean, we shouldn't. But I know, you know, it's, it's easy to, to kind of fall into that thinking because um, that's pretty pre- prevalent in our modern culture, too, is to sort of separate all of that stuff out and say, well, you know, religion's over here and, you know, being a good person's over there and having a job is over there. And, you know, we, we need to sort of integrate that and remember that it's all part of the same thing. Yeah, ours is religion meant to be lived. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. I do not know many Sunday heathens. <laughs> First of all, who does anything on a Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Except our kindred, but yeah. <laughs> Nothing but homework for me on Sundays. Yep. I'm usually dealing with the after effects of the heat heron of heedlessness uh, myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So are there, you know, are there other sagas or points that we think that we should talk about a little bit too in terms of this discussion? I mean, we we want to move out of the Hothamal or we want to get back into it or we've still got like 10 minutes so we we can continue if we have time. Or we can start winding things up. 
Yeah, we can start winding things up. I mean, if people are kind of done, that's that's cool too. And a hush falls over the crowd. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think that means that we might have to be winding things up. <laughs> yep. Sort of the sense that I've got. So at that at this point, last time is when we started talking about our next date and our next theme. So do we want to move into doing that? Sure. Okay. Works for me. All right. Um, are we staying with second Thursdays? Seems to be working. Okay. Yeah. So the next one would be January 14th, actually. And hey, that's two days before a certain Scotty bloat day. <laughs> Which almost assuredly will be in Maine. They actually, Raven Kindred North, for, for the general listening audience, does Scotty bloat outside in the cold in the middle of January. And now they're going Excellent. To, because they like to make us suffer. <laughs> Suffering equals fun. <laughs> it's actually a really powerful blow. It, it's 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 always like the coldest day of the year, so it's it's <laughs> awesome. But uh, I'll admit it. You just come for the vodka, please. Yeah, that's really all it's about. I can't stand you guys. <laughs> so not true. That's absolutely sarcastic for anybody who might have missed that tone of voice. <laughs> I've been going to Scotty Blitz since the very first one you guys invited me to, and I it, I look forward to it every year. It's one of my favorite things. So, um, anyway, with that, what's our Skype chat theme next time, guys? Well, I was um, curious to know about bloats and um, white, actually. Ah, like like uh, bloating to the land spirits, or or a separate? Yeah. Hmm. We could sum that up in terms of like sacrifice. Yeah. Do we want to have a, uh, an hour long talk about sacrifice? Sure. Yeah, that works. Well, who sacrifice or ritual or? Yeah, yeah. The function of sacrifice in in like why we do what we do and what we think it means. Okay. Gift for a gift. Because this is all pretty much new to me, so I'm tr- trying to learn as much as I can. Yeah. Uh. Well, you know, this, this the Skype chat thing is due to us, so I mean, I, I think it's awesome if you want to have that conversation and, and do some of that stuff. There's always people looking to learn, so I'm okay with that. Is there any other, uh, any other ideas that people are going to go Ooh, over more than that one, or is that one good? No, sounds like a plan to me. Yep, works for me. Excellent. So sweet. next time, I'm sorry? I said sweet. So sec- second Thursday, same bat time, sacrifice. Yep, it'll be the 14th of January. Excellent. So thank you, everybody, um, for coming by. If 